Hey, it's Drex from This Week Health Cyber and Risk Community, and I want to invite you to our next webinar. It's going to focus on what else? Defending health data. I'll be chatting with experts from Rubrik and Microsoft. Register right now at thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. That's all one string, R-U-B-R-I-K webinar, thisweekhealth.com slash rubric webinar. See you online soon. Today in health IT, telehealth expansion. How about we make a data-driven decision? Just a thought. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. We want to thank our show sponsors who are investing in developing the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Tausite, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. All right, two things going on today. Let's see, both related to telehealth. Telehealth stakeholder letters to the Senate. So the Honorable Charles Schumer and the Honorable Mitch McConnell both received a letter today. And I don't know if it was today. Let's see, September 13th. Thank you for your continued leadership in expanding access to virtual care during the COVID-19 public health emergency, PHE. This access has been transformational. Patients now expect and often prefer telehealth as a key component of our healthcare system and providers have been able to reach many patients that previously had access barriers through virtual care. Agreed. These opportunities were made possible by the flexibilities and waivers under the current PHE. However, the end of the COVID-19 PHE period, the clock begins to tick on the current 151-day statutory extension of telehealth waivers. While we appreciate these temporary extensions, the short-term nature continues to introduce significant uncertainty into our healthcare systems. Providers must weigh the cost of investing in technological and clinical infrastructure required to maintain telehealth programs at scale against the uncertainty of when these telehealth policies may end. Further, patients who utilize telehealth as part of their care plan face the possibility of a forced return to in-person care. This is particularly concerning for those utilizing telehealth to reach experts at long distances for access to mental and behavioral health practitioners and those receiving ongoing remote care for chronic conditions. All right, I'm gonna give you a little bit more. Virtual care is now a fundamental part of the US healthcare system and it will improve patient access to high quality care and strengthen continuity of care well beyond the COVID-19 pandemic. While many of the most compelling clinical use cases for virtual care are only now emerging, more communities than ever have experienced the powerful impact telehealth had in bridging gaps in care. Telehealth is helping to address the crisis level of mental health, primary care, and other workforce shortages. Many underserved communities that historically have had limited access to care may now uh, beam in additional support, beam in additional support. That's what it says for their workforce, as well as top specialists to help save lives and treat critically ill patients. Unfortunately, without statutory certainty for remote care, the hard work of building infrastructure, trust and relationships with these communities is beginning to stall. 
Okay, as such, we urge the Senate to act this fall to ensure certainty for telehealth services as demonstrated by the House, which passed the Advancing Telehealth Beyond COVID-19 Act. Uh, telehealth is an overwhelmingly bipartisan issue. The Senate should act to pass a two-year extension on these important telehealth policies while continuing to push for a permanent extension. Okay, so you have that letter that went to the members of Congress. It was signed by a ton of people. Let's see. Here we go. Um, Yeah, it was a bunch of health systems and then a bunch of Americans, right? So American Academy of fill-in-the-blank, allergy, asthma and immunology, home care medicine, hospice care, neurology, uh, PAs, physician medicine. You get the picture. American College of Emergency Physicians. American College of, you got it, American Heart Association, uh, Medical Association, so forth and so on. All the way down the line, you have Amwell in there. You would hope that Amwell would be in here. You'd hope that all the teledocs should be in here as well. I'm sure they are. There's a hundred plus type organizations that have signed on to this as, um, yep. Yeah, about 100 or so that are in this. So not a surprise. Teladoc is in here as well as uh, just a whole bunch of health systems. Okay, so you got that letter. The second thing we have here is uh, healthcareinnovationgroup.com has HHS OIG report puts telehealth expansion under the microscope. And this is going to be my point, by the way, data-driven decision-making. Easier said than done, but data-driven decision-making. We now have a bunch of data. Maybe it's not, you know, we don't have enough of a time history, but we have a bunch of data. So that that's what this is talking about. Uh, let's see, two recent reports from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services of the Office of Inspector General examine the explosion in the use of telehealth during the pandemic to help policymakers balance concerns about issues such as access, quality of care, cost, health equity, and program integrity. All right, so listen to those issues, such as access, telehealth is graded access, quality of care. Um, actually, that needs to be measured a little bit, but uh, cost definitely costs less, and then health equity. So reaching out to those communities. But then it also says, and program integrity as they consider extending widespread access to telehealth. The center's uh, CMS is evaluating the continuation of telehealth services that were temporarily added during the COVID-19 emergency. Medicare beneficiaries used 114.4 million telehealth services from March 2020 through February 2021. Okay, so that's the peak. Now, I think we need to measure before that. We need to measure after that. But that was the peak. March 2020 is when, you know, we go into lockdown. Hospitals um, try to divert you away from their emergency room. So, again, peak March 2020 through February 2021. This amounts to 88 times more telehealth services compared to the year prior to the pandemic when beneficiaries used 1.3 million telehealth services. Over half of these telehealth services, 60.1 million in total, were used by beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare fee-for-service. In total, Medicare paid over $5 billion for these services, 76 times more than what it paid for telehealth in the prior year. 
Uh, let me give you some of the data in brief. Beneficiaries in urban areas are more likely to use um, than rural areas, which is probably just per capita. Uh, dually eligible Hispanic, younger, and female beneficiaries were also more likely than others to use telehealth. Also, one-fifth of beneficiaries use certain audio-only tele telehealth services. The vast majority of these beneficiaries use them exclusively. Older beneficiaries more likely to use certain audio-only services as were duly eligible and Hispanic beneficiaries. Uh, this goes down. OIG has additional evaluations and audits underway examining telehealth in Medicare to help further inform program policies and oversight. So that's what they're doing. They're doing the research. And I've been saying this for a long time. Actually, I've been saying this during the middle of the pandemic. I said, this is going to give us the data we need to see exactly where telehealth benefits the patient where it improves quality of care and where it uh, you know improves access but also where it's open to fraud where it's open to abuse and those kind of things all right so it goes on congress has extended the temporary telehealth expansion for five months after the public health emergency ends if that deadline comes to an um Comes before long-term telehealth policies have been enacted. OIG recommends that CMS should seek additional authority from Congress to temporarily continue access to telehealth services in urban areas and from the beneficiary's home. This will ensure that beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare fee-for-service can continue to receive services via telehealth, regardless of geographic location or ability to travel to a healthcare facility to receive care, while policymakers deliberate and develop more permanent policies for telehealth. As CMS development uh, develops proposals for long-term policies on telehealth, OIG said it should carefully consider the impact of telehealth flexibilities on beneficiary access to care, health equity, quality, costs, and program integrity. And my so what for this, again, is so simple, which is data-driven decision-making. Don't talk about telehealth like it's one thing. We know better. It's not one thing. It's a, it's a bunch of different things. It is, um, it is uh, you know, care, care provider to care provider. It's telestroke. It's, it's, uh, it's consults. It's all those kinds of things. It's um, primary care. It's direct to uh, patient. It is um, uh, mental health, behavioral health uh, kinds of services. Um, it is uh, caring for chronic conditions. It is remote patient monitoring. It is a lot of different things. And the reality is it doesn't work in all the areas. It doesn't work effectively in all the areas. We can't treat it as one thing. We should look at it in the subsections that it is. We should use the data to determine where, it, where does it improve access, uh, improve access uh, where does it, it, it improve health equity? Where does it improve quality? Where does it improve costs? And where, um, where it, it, is it open to fraud and abuse? Uh, and we should, we should be uh, uh, judicious in how we write these programs and not just, you know, categorically signing a letter that says, hey, you should, you should spend, continue to spend this money on telehealth because it's, it's important. Um, it, it's just too broad. It's too broad of a category and needs to be broken down. We need to look at the data and we need to make decisions based on the data. Seems like it makes sense to me. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm off base. Who knows? You know how to reach me, bill at thisweekhealth.com. Let me know what you think. 
If you know someone that might benefit from our channel, please forward them a note. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher. You get the picture. We are everywhere. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders, Gordian Dynamics, Quill Health, Taucite, Nuance, Canon Medical, and Current Health. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com slash today. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.